What do we have in common with vines and roses? I didn't say guns and roses, I said vines and roses. Now, admittedly, I am not much of a gardener. I, can, I have a spiritual gift of killing things that, are like, that should remain alive, like plants and things of this nature. Um, I'm not much of a gardener. But I am intrigued by vines and rose bushes for one particular reason, or a couple reasons actually. One is how they grow, how they use structure that is external, and the reason they are carefully pruned. And actually the only reason I'm interested in vines, truthfully, is because Jesus speaks of them in our Bible reading this week in John chapter 15. And I think there's something significant that he says, and it's not just a metaphor. He, he uses this metaphor in actually a very critical way. And so we're gonna talk, we're gonna read the scripture, and then we're gonna talk about it. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And so if he is the true vine, pause, there are then false vines. Okay? So I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. Pause. Jesus just said that his father takes away branches that don't bear fruit in him. He's not talking about sin. There's things that he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, or that does bear fruit, excuse me, he prunes so that it would bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus said, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words, everyone say my words. My words words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. How many of you want your life to bring glory to God? Can I see your hands, please? Here's what Jesus says it looks like. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. When our lives bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. When we bear the fruit of the Spirit by abiding in Christ, it brings glory to God. Our stories point to a greater author than ourselves. And so prove to be my disciples. Not prove to become a follower of Christ, you just give evidence that you are rooted in a different source. As the Father loved me, So as the Father loved the Son, so the Son loves you. Oh my gosh. Abide in my love. How do we abide? It's like abide, abide, abide. And you know, some of you are conjuring maybe up images like, I just go to the woods and I just like be. (laughs) That's just called spending time in nature. And that's good for the soul. And for some of you are like, nah, I find a couch and I spend all my time there. That's a personality thing. That's an interesting, that's not an abiding thing. Jesus is actually quite specific. And it's not complicated. How do we abide in Christ? You keep his commandments. That's what he said. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you disobey my commandments, you are outside, not of my love, but you're outside of abiding. You are abiding in something other 
than what you're intended to abide in. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And when I think of the collective aim of humanity across the entire world, I am not sure if you could arrive at a more desired destination than a life that is so full of joy it cannot take any more joy. That's what your joy may be full actually means. And so how many today could contain, could take a little bit, could, could stand to have a little bit more joy in your life? Can I see your hands, please? Then do not go on a pursuit of joy. Go on a pursuit of learning how to abide in Christ. And you will then produce joy in your heart. Do not go on a pursuit of love or of peace or of patience. Go on a pursuit of following in the way of Jesus, of obeying his commands. And what are his commands? Jesus summarized it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's one of his commands. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is another one of his commands. And to those of us who are followers of Jesus, we grow in learning how to love one another. All summer we did it. We grow in learning how to love one another the way that the Father loves the Son. We grow, this is our, these are his commands. This is what you and I to orient our entire lives around. Here's what I want you to do. Your spiritual enemy cannot touch the fruit of the Spirit being born in your life. But when you and I partner with the works of flesh, he has full access to our lives. When we partner with darkness, darkness can rob and cause us to misunderstand the love of God or to, if we root in sin, then all the works of the flesh are sin and we root in that, he has legal access to our lives. We are abiding in a different source. And Jesus never did this. But it's something that you and I can do in our lives. And so, to understand fully what a life of all the fruit of the Spirit is, Jesus explicitly had us examine how vines, how vines grow, the structures that they need that are external to them, and then how they are pruned. Vises, vines are very, vises, what are the vines? Vines are very much like rose bushes in that left on their own, here is what they do. They grow in on themselves. They do not grow in the direction that they should. They grow in on themselves. And as vines or rose bushes, let's just stay with vines. As they grow in on themselves, picture a vine that has now become tangled upon itself. Vine upon vine upon vine upon vine, growing in on itself, not in the direction, not using a trellis to grow up the house and look really beautiful for those of you who like that. And others of you who hate that, we don't really care. It's just a design aesthetic. But think about it, a vine that has just grown all in on itself. What happens the more a vine begins to grow in on itself, this is what Jesus is saying, the more a vine grows in on itself, the number one thing that happens is where light should be present, now only darkness abides. Think of a vine that is so dense, that is covered in on itself, where the light should be able to penetrate, now the light cannot get through to the vine. And where there is the presence of darkness within the vine, next comes disease. Darkness first, then disease. There is, there, and so Jesus says in order, in John 15, that in order for the light to penetrate the way it should, that we are branches. 
and left to our own devices, we grow in on ourselves. And then rather than let the light of God, who God is, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and rather than to let that penetrate our lives, what begins to happen is darkness begins to encroach where light should exist. And where light should exist, it gets snuffed out, and then darkness abounds. And where darkness abounds, humanity has a unique disease called sin is manifest. And Jesus wants us to look at vines to understand how to live in and abide in Christ as opposed to living in and abiding in something else. And so for vines to fully bloom, a skilled vine dresser does two things. They take away dead, they take away dead branches and they prune healthy ones. And if they do not do this, here is what happens. The darkness that is now present in the vine and the disease that is present under the darkness within the vine, the vine itself may produce, for example, it may produce average to below average grapes, but they are not edible and they are definitely not used for making another beverage. A rose bush that grows in on itself doesn't mean that it will not have any roses. What it means is that it will not bloom in full. It may have a singular rose, but it will not be what God intends. And so Jesus is saying to me and to you and to his disciples originally in John chapter 15, I have designed you to be full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of patience, full of self-control. Turn the person beside you and say, you need that last one. <laughs> full of self-control. Against such things, Paul would say, there is no limit. There's no law. There's no end to these things so that they may be full, and many of us as Christ followers are content with a single bloom in our lives rather than the full bloom that God intends. Hmm. And Jesus is not content, and so sometimes he's going to do one of two things so you and I can bear more fruit. He is going to take away branches that are dead, and he is going to prune healthy branches so that they would bear more fruit. Here's the problem. What I think is a dead branch and what God thinks is a dead branch, we are often in conflict over. Like, I don't think that's a dead branch. That branch has given me a lot of life. Like, I've got a snap trigger when I drive. That's not a dead branch, that's just a good thing. No, no, no that's not. <laughs> there are many things sometimes that are dead branches that God takes away that we cling to dear life. Like, don't take that away. That is so precious to me. And from God's perspective, it's, it's dead. And if I don't take it away, all that happens is it creates an environment for darkness. And where darkness is, is soon comes the disease of sin. And I don't want the disease of sin to be what you root your life in. And so I am going to deal not only with the root of sin, but... God is so loving that he wants to deal not only with the root of sin, but the actual symptoms that create the root before the root and the issue forms. Tom Wright says, the vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when they have the knife in hand. I want to let you know that everything about John 15 is love. Your heavenly father is not a maniac with a chainsaw in your life. 
He is not. He is more skilled than the most skillful surgeon. When the Lord is removing dead branches, turn the person beside you and say, not dead people, dead branches. When he is removing dead branches, not like a person, when he is moving dead branches from our lives, he is never more thoughtful, more tender, and more skillful. And when he is pruning in our lives, he is so precise that he will prune to the point of perfection because he alone knows when and where that is starting to turn inward before the problem shows up in your life. And he prunes. This is what he wants us to look at. Jesus is the true vine. We are the branchers. And this father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it may bear more fruit. Let me just give you an example of a dead branch. There are some of you, when Jess gave her testimony of healing today, and Richard followed up with his testimony of healing today, you found it very difficult to celebrate their testimonies of healing because all you thought about is maybe where God didn't answer your prayer in the same way. And I don't want you to dismiss this But here's what I know and I would say with tenderness. God's shoulders are big enough to handle you expressing your disappointment to him. They're big enough. You don't have to manage him. You can cast all your cares and anxiety on him because his affection is towards you. But if you define God exclusively by your experience, rather than that he said that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. That where you at once had a settled trust in God, now you have a dead branch of doubt. And then if you have another dead branch of doubt, and another dead branch of doubt, you have not sinned, but you have created the environment to abide in the very thing that will choke out faith. Yes? Faith is not denying the pain of what happened. Faith is trusting that even if I can't see a good reason why this happened, I am going to trust in the God who is good even when I can't see good. And I am going to take my doubt and I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to take my disappointment and I'm going to let God take that from me. Some of you have an offense and it is a dead branch. I am not saying everything that happened was not offensive, but under the dead branch of offense, hatred can grow, bitterness can grow, ill towards one another can grow. This is the disease of sin. And in order for God to heal that, not just forgive it. He forgives it by the work of the cross, and that is a glorious thing. But he also wants to make us whole. He wants to heal us. And so he's going to remove these dead branches. Why? So that light can be where darkness now is. So if you are here today and it was hard for you to celebrate, I'm just saying, give God that dead branch. 
I'm not saying you have no reason to be disappointed. I am just saying, do not have, you don't have a reason to make the work of the enemy easier in your life. Some of you want you to have a course correction right now by the Holy Spirit. Your role as a Christ follower and my role as a Christ follower is to make God's work in our lives easy and the enemy's work difficult. And when we abide in the works of the flesh, we make the work of the enemy easy in our lives and the work of the spirit difficult. And sometimes we need to adjust what we are living in. I heard a story one time. Today is more share than preach. I hope you're okay with that. Might be because like all the men in here, I'm a wee tired. (laughs) But I heard a story one time of someone by the name of Daniel. And I was at a conference And for years, he struggled with lust, pornography, and masturbation. And it wasn't a men's conference. It was just a conference. And he got up and told the story. And he just launched into it with that, which is quite an opener, by the way. Um, And it's quite a confession. At the time, he was not married. Um, and, And by the way, getting married doesn't solve lust, porn, or masturbation, or sexual immorality. It's not your spouse's job to heal you. It's God's job to heal you and set you free. They won't do it. You'll just actually cause them, you'll cause them additional pain if you don't let God root that out. So he didn't want that in his life. And so he was living with roommates, and here's what he did. He discovered that this particular area of sexual immorality, of lust, of porn, and then of masturbation, uh, it always happened when he was in private. Okay? Uh, Private is another word for under the cloak of darkness. How many of you are ever talking to someone, you're talking to them, but you have thoughts about them that are not good, that never come out of your mouth, but they're there? Okay, let's be honest in church. How many of you have one person in your life that annoys you? Can I see your hands, please? Can I see your hands, please? Okay, here's what I want you to know. Some of you didn't put your hands up. You're not being truthful. Okay, but here's what I also want you to know. You thought of someone, and I promise you, somebody in this room may have thought of you, okay? I just want you to know that you were always on your mind. Thank you, Willie. You were always on my mind. Yeah, that's not, that's not a good thing, Willie. He needs to get healing and wholeness. Like, if they're always on your your mind like every breath you take every move you make I'll be watching you like (laughs) isn't that romantic no you belong in jail like don't do that you creep that's nuts okay that has nothing to do with it so I was at this conference and this gentleman Daniel gave his story and here's what he said is he told his roommates he confessed that he was struggling with these things he'd been working it through alone and he was sick of doing it alone and he felt that he needed to here's his words I needed to let light in where darkness abounded in order to deal with the sin I had to remove the hiddenness of darkness and so he took his bedroom door off so that he was never alone you may be going like that's really weird well, how did he get changed? Well, it's not actually hard to bring your clothes and then like bring them into a uh, bathroom and change, but here's what he said. I would rather have the inconvenience of taking my clothes and getting changed than I would dealing under the weight of this sin every day. Enough is enough. Where darkness abound, what did he do? He just let a little bit of light in. And God started to take away branches. Some of you need to be ruthless with sin. Some of you are treating sin way too kind. Some of you are actually delusional, not in the realm of faith. You are delusional in believing that you can control sin and keep it in place. You cannot. 
If you believe that you can keep your sin in place, you are not in control of your sin. It already is in control of you. And this is not the way of Jesus for your life. The way of Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, that we are growing in these things, not that we are growing in the works of the flesh. And so God will prune in things in us that won't bear fruit, and he will take away things that are creating darkness, and he prunes things in us that bear fruit, but not to their utmost potential. But he's only doing this so that our joy might be full. And in John 15, as we've said, we can be like vines. We too were prone to growing inward. And if you pay close attention to the orientation of our culture, it is predominantly inward. Know thyself, live your truth. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And inward growth, please hear me, is not the same as inside out growth. Inward growth is a pervasive, almost exclusive focus on self. Inside out is not a focus on self, it is a focus on God who then transforms us from the inside out. Hear what I'm saying. The place of contestion where God is at work and where the enemy is at work and you're trying to figure out which is which is in here, it's in here. Imagine a rose bush or a vine that has grown inward, branch upon branch, tangled in on themselves. And then imagine a good vine dresser skillfully knowing which branches need to be taken away and which ones are not yet a problem. But if he does not prune, it's going to begin to grow inward. So he prunes, prunes it precisely so that it can grow in the direction that it was designed. Let me lovingly say, pay attention if your life, though, only ever looks like pruning, as the enemy also robs, steals, destroys, and kills where he has legal access. In Christ, you have the authority to evict. In Christ, you have the authority to evict. but you need to discern where is God at work and where is the enemy at work? Confession. I'm all cried out today. Sorry, I got all my crying out in the first service. As a leader, In hindsight, I've partnered with darkness, believing that it wasn't. I have reacted in anger and called it righteous when it was really just selfishness. And in the moment, I couldn't see it. But with the gift of hindsight, I can see it, and I've had to confess, and I've had to repent. As a parent, I've hurt my kids' hearts, not intentionally, but because I wouldn't let God take away or prune what he needed to 
have unnecessarily hurt their hearts. I have hurt Lori. Again, not intentionally, but sometimes just because I can't get my own way. I point out the faults in her rather than let God prune me. And in each of the moments, I couldn't see it. How many of you know if you could see it, you could see it? What, what, what am I saying all this? When we pick up the Bible and we read John chapter 15, I want you to know it is such a gift of technology that you have the opportunity to spend time with the Lord individually and open a Bible. Like Jesus had to go to synagogues because they were written on scrolls. Give me a little sanctified imagination there because he was the word who became flesh, but you understand what I'm saying. As a human walking. Here's what I'm saying. For you and I, I believe one of the greatest reasons why Jesus gives the example of a vine is because for a vine to continue to grow in the most healthy way, it needs an external structure called a trellis. It needs something outside of itself, not just inside itself. Because how many of you in life have ever gone through stuff and, and you go through stuff, you make some mistakes, you make some blunders, you do some stuff you wouldn't want to do. When you're going through stuff, it's very difficult to know, is God taking away, is he pruning? Or is the enemy robbing, killing, and destroying? What's my role? How do I partner within it? Come on, by a show of hands, how many of you have said something you wish you could take back? Done something you wish that you could undo? Some of you are like, I live with no regrets. Good for you. Yeah, I get it. I've learned from all of them, and God's made me who I can be. Sure, but there's lots of things when I look back, I wish I never said that. And I wish I never did that. And here's a lie from the pit of hell, that you can follow Jesus exclusively on your own, that you don't need anyone, you don't have to come to church, it's just you and Jesus. How in the world are you going to follow Jesus by living completely opposite to the way in which Jesus lived his life? Oh, this is modern, this is progressive wisdom, but it is utter foolishness. Look around the room. Yeah, even these ones that annoy you sometimes, they are an external trellis that can help you sometimes see what you can't see. We are wounded in community, and I admit that, but we are also healed one with another. And we need one another. When Jesus spoke John chapter 15, he spoke to all of the disciples, plural, at one time. He did not just speak to an individual, he spoke to a collective. If you, plural, abide in me. Yes, it means me as a Christ follower, but how many of you know the church of Jesus needs to abide in Jesus? It's not just if I'm abiding in Jesus, that's, what does the word say? When you struggle, I struggle. When you have a testimony of healing, I have a testimony of healing. 
When you break through, I break through. We are interconnected whether we like it or not. And yeah, the church has a lot of problems, sure. But the enemy wants us to turn inward on ourselves so that we can never be healed through the work of God through others. Like I have been listening in small groups and heard someone say something and they had no idea that God used them in that moment. The skies didn't part, I had no, they had no idea but God used them to minister to my heart. Lastly, we in church sometimes are guilty of hyperbolic speech. <laughs> Come to this weekend, it'll change your life. And it may, and I hope it did. But let's be honest, changing our life is really hard. Like, thank goodness you put that social media post out, you know, because like for 50 years I've just been thinking this way and now I'm better. <laughs> right? Do you know what I'm saying? Thank God I bought that course. <laughs> You know, because it's so easy to change how I've thought about myself and others for 50 years. It's like no problem, right? Don't feel, just stop feeling that way about yourself. Great. How? <laughs> you know what? You know what I have found though? While it is very, very hard to change your life, it is not hard to change your direction. It's not. Like if we are in deep relational conflict, I, I can't fix all of it, but I can soften my heart towards you. I can say sorry. If I'm bound by a fence, I can let God remove a branch. And if I'm starting to grow inward or his church is starting to grow inward and the vine dresser prunes it so that it can grow in a better direction, that's not hard. It's not as hard. Jesus said, abide in my love and to do precisely this, keep my commandments. Abide in my love, keep my commandments. So Lord, I'm not loving you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Show me where. Take that branch, prune that part, I'm not loving this person or these people group the way I should. Lord, take that dead branch away. Prune it out of my life. Help me be more like you. Lord, help me not to give up on your church. Help me not to define your church exclusively by their failures. Let me also see that they are a healing community of people who are also sick being healed. Teach me to love your church and build your church the way you build your church. Love one another. So what do we have in common with vines and roses? Well, left to our own, we too will grow inward. And as we grow inward, there will be an increase of darkness, which will inevitably lead to a disease called sin. And where darkness and sin abound, we will become content with average and partial blooms rather than our fullest bloom. And to live a life full of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, we need to follow in the way of Jesus, to abide in the love of God, to keep the commands of the word of God, 
and to walk humbly with one another's. And we do this by being a part of a local church, by personally following Jesus, and by sharing the gospel with those who do not know Christ. Do you know that 86% of people will only come to church if they were personally invited? Yet 2% of Christians invite other non-Christians to church. That's a solvable problem. And that's a love problem. That's an abiding problem. Have we as the church grown inward? Do we have to have some branches taken out and some pruning? Lord, prune us. You can live your life growing inward or you can grow with Christ and you get to choose. If there's one thing I want to remind you of today, you never get to decide how much God loves you. He always does. On your worst day, when you get this whole message wrong, God still loves you. He does not condone what you're doing. He does not approve of sin. He never will. He does not condone sin. He atoned for it in the work of his son. And his work is finished and it's final. John 15, 6, verse A says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. If you, had your, if you want to locate your communion elements, that would be fantastic. If you scroll through social media, if you watch traditional media, if you pay attention to the world around us, you will see that we have a disease called sin that is at the core of all of our hatred and conflicts one with another. And because sometimes we do not abide in Christ, but we abide in the flesh, we see the manifestation of it. And this week as Canadians, we will remember and we will pray. I'm going to say that again. As followers of Christ, we will remember and we will pray, which we do not need permission to pray. We will pray. As a church, we are going to remember and we're going to pray the ultimate inhumanity of darkness and disease of sin is war. The ultimate desire of God is peace. So let us together pray. Oh Lord, we offer our prayers and petitions for those who have perished as a result of conflict and the strife of war. We pray for those who willingly give and gave of themselves and made the ultimate sacrifice. We pray for their families. We pray right now for those who have been victimized, innocent casualties of hatred, of terror, and of war. We pray for those who continue to place themselves in harm's way so that peace and harmony may be achieved. But Lord, we pray for a deeper and abiding peace. Prince of Peace, bring your shalom to the hearts 
of humanity in this world. In your name we pray. Amen.